Good morning, everyone. How's, how's everyone doing today? Oh, it sounds like you guys are still asleep. How's everyone doing? <laughs> doing great? That's awesome. It's so awesome to be here in the house of the Lord to bring the message and to, to bring what, what God is speaking in his word to his people. Last week, we talked about the call to be holy. We talked about how Peter has given this letter to a bunch of Christians who are dealing with suffering, dealing with persecution from the, the people who surround them. We talked about what, what this call to be holy is, this call to be different, separated from the rest of the world, to look different, act different, to have a different type of character. And now we come to today in 1 Peter chapter 4 where we're going to be talking about what, what Peter is showing us how to live as new selves, new born-again selves, how to leave behind this old self, how to leave behind this sin state and be born again, our new self. And in verse 2 in 1 Peter 4, it says, don't let the flesh with human passions, don't live in the flesh with human passions, but he says, live for the will of God. And it's for this, the, the, the title that I have for today's sermon is Old Self versus New Self. But before we get any further, let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. We thank you for what you have called us to. You've called us to live in this new self, in this new born-again self. Holy Spirit, Lord, I ask and pray that you would speak to your people, speak to us, speak to me as we listen to your word and as we digest what, what you are saying. And Lord, I just ask that you take control of this time and that there be no anxiety in this moment. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen. When I look through history and think of someone who has displayed this trans transformation of old self to new self, I think of someone as C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is an author, he is an educator, scholar, he's a defender of the faith. Some of us might know him to write the Narnia series. But before C.S. Lewis was C.S. Lewis, he grew up as an atheist. He grew up as someone who struggled and grappled with the existence of God. He didn't know if God existed. He didn't know of a personal relationship with Christ. It wasn't until he went to Oxford University where he, where he continued to grapple with these questions, but then someone came in and helped him with his faith, helped him going from old self to new self. Some of us might know this person as the author of The Lord of the Rings, J.R.R. Tolkien. J.R.R. Tolkien was someone who was strong in his own personal faith, who believed in God and, and found inspiration from uh, the Bible to, to write a whole lot of what he's, what he's written. But as he became friends with C.S. Lewis and as they went through school, Tolkien helped C.S. Lewis to, to know what it means to be a Christian, to have a personal relationship. 
to where C.S. Lewis then goes on and, and we see he's, he's teaching and he, he has these debates with his colleagues. Debates such as atheism versus the existence of God. Someone who went from being an atheist is debating again atheist himself. This is someone who is an example of receiving some type of criticism or ridicule for his faith. For once believing that God didn't exist, but now believing that God exists to debating the very people he, he used to be. So my big idea for today is despite what the world thinks of you for being a Christian, you can get through ridicule and criticism as, and live as your new self, new born again self, by setting your mind on Christ. Well, where as Christians do we start to understand this? Well, you need to understand that we must suffer for living as our new self, new born again self. Peter tells us in, in verses 1 and 2, he says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. He tells us to no longer live and the passions that we used to live, no longer in our sinful state, but to live for the will of God. This is what the new self is. This is what the new born-again self is. And, and Peter, what he first tells these Christians, what he's telling us, in, in actually in chapter 1, he, he reminds them, he says, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus through the resurrection of Jesus. So as they go through the suffering, as they go through the ridicule from people around them, he reminds them of their identity, their identity in Christ being born again, no longer the old self, but we have this hope that we can now live in Christ. He reminds them that we belong to God. He also, he also compares us a little bit here. He says, Christ has suffered in the flesh and that we must do the same. The suffering that Christ did was he sacrificed his life so that we can have a relationship with God. And when we talk about old self versus new self, we have to let go of some old habits in our lives. We have to sacrifice the way we used to live so that we can be born again and this new relationship with God so that we can live fully in the life that God has called us to. We have to sacrifice our old self. Well, how do we do that? Well, we have to focus through the suffering. And Peter, what he tells us is equip yourselves. This is arm yourselves with the mindset of Jesus. 
And actually, Paul, in Ephesians 6, what he, what he says is to equip the armor of God, to put on the helmet of salvation, to put on the breastplate of righteousness, take up the sword of the Spirit, the shield of faith, the belt of truth. It says, equip these things when you go through spiritual battles, demonic battles, when Satan is trying to attack you. And I love this, this imagery of, of the shield, taking up the shield, because what Paul says is it's important to take up the shield so that when the enemy tries to send flaming arrows, you can defend. It's a battle between old self and new self. And see, what the enemy likes to try to do is he doesn't necessarily try to strike you down right at your heart, but what he'll do is get to areas that you're most weak. That's why when, when Paul says to defend against the fiery arrows, or flaming arrows in war, what they were meant for was to get areas where it was most dry, because if you get that, then it'll just spread and, and consume villages. So as we look at old self versus new self, the enemy is trying to get areas in our life that are dry, far from God, areas that are weak, so that we can turn from God, be upset and miserable and distant from him. But Peter tells us that we must have the same mindset. We must equip ourselves. We must be ready. Whenever we see any form of arming in the Bible, this is something that's telling us that, that there is some form of demonic battle that we must face. And so when we talk about suffering for living in the new self, this is an internal battle that we deal with. This first point, as we suffer for a living as our new self, is an internal battle that we struggle between. In, in Rocky II, Rocky versus Apollo Creed, an exchange of fists. This is kind of like the second battle that, that they have. One person is trying to best the other, say, I'm, I'm the greatest, I'm the greatest boxer. Round one, round two, round three go by. They're exchanging fists, they're exchanging punch for punch. Bruise after bruise, cut after cut, blood flying everywhere. All to the point where round 13 comes and the bell rings and they go to their corners and the coaches are encouraging each, each person and saying, no, you, you should try something else, try this move and try this move. And then the referee comes over to Rocky and he looks at him and says, look, I'm going to call it if it seems as though that you're not going to be able to pull through. But Rocky says, no, 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 I can keep on going, I can keep on fighting, I can, I can do this, I can do this. Bell rings and the next round begins and they're fighting. Then they exchange one more punch and then they're all wobbling, about to fall over and then they collapse onto the ground. Then the ref is looking at them, and he's counting down, and they're both starting to get up. And it looks like they're both going to go for another round, but Apollo Creed hits the floor, and Rocky remains victorious. See, what Rocky has is this mentality of, of keep on going, keep on fighting, despite the circumstance, despite the battle that he is facing. You see, if it was for our old self, we would have easily succumbed to the opponent, 
to the devil while facing ridicule and criticism or any form of trial. But we must get back up and continue to fight the good fight because we know that as we live as our new born-again selves, the Holy Spirit encourages us to get up off the ground, wipe off the dust, and keep on going. Not only do we suffer to live as our new born-again selves internally, we struggle when we feel pressure to compromise from the people around us. This is an external, an external battle that we face. Verses 3 and 4 tells us, For the time that is past suffice for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking, parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. And they malign you. I love when Peter says, for the time has passed suffice. Ultimately, what Peter is saying here is, it's time to wake up. It's time to be done living the way that you used to be, and it's time to live in your new born-again state, in your new freedom state, no longer in your sin state, but born again, your new self. He tells them that it's done living the old way. It's time to live in the new way. He also tells them, with respect, and I look at this, and as I was reading at first, I was like, it doesn't make sense that the people who are persecuting these Christians have any type of respect for them. So as I went in and, and looked to see what, what this meant, it means while they are living in their lives, their unrepentant lives, they ridicule you. They ridicule the Christians. They ridicule us. Because, you see, as we as Christians are transformed and made new, and as we are now in this newborn-again state, in a relationship with God, the people who we used to hang out with, the people who we used to go to the same parties with, the people who we used to turn up with at some point in our life, they look at us and they say, well, what happened to you? You used to come on Friday night to the club and used to party all, all out and get drunk and hang out. And then they look at you and they, they criticize you for living new, for trying to change your life. I can think of a time when I was in school, both in high school and in college, when I've experienced something like this. In high school, I would always wear the, a cross, um, a cross like, like this, not like the cross that I have now, this is a dove. But I would wear a cross showing that, that I was a Christian. When people knew that I was a Christian, and whenever I would take the bus, every now and then I would get a comment or two asking about my faith. I would, they, they would look at me and kind of poke fun at me for, for being a Christian and asking me, oh, does God really exist and stuff. And they would just make fun of me for being a Christian. And then when I went to college, to community college, I've experienced 
Similar things where my peers would, they would see me with my Bible, I'll be in, in a room reading all by myself and stuff, and then people would come in and they would ask me, there would be some who asked me some serious questions, who, who were interested and who debated with me. But then there was also those who would ask questions, but kind of just poke fun at me at the same time for, for my faith and make a, make a joke out of, out of my faith. I have one friend who we were in a few classes together, and he was, he's an atheist, and he, he was a, a, a philosophy major, and he would ask me through text and in person many questions about, about the Bible, many questions about who God was. And we would go back and forth, and back and forth, and back and forth. Well, we shared, we, we took a, an ethics class together, where one day a teacher came up to me down, down the middle of the classroom and over to me and asking a flurry of, of questions about, about my faith. And at first I was like, whoa, I don't know how to answer all of these questions and I don't even know what the last question you said was. And I stopped and I looked at her and I said, you know, Christianity is about a relationship with God. It's about growing in faith. It's about deepening our relationship with him in living new. She stopped, she looked upset and mad, and then walked off and, and kept on going with, with the class. You know, my friend who shared that class with me, he, he said to me, you know, I really respect all the text messages that, that we exchange because you, you show me what it means to be an actual Christian, to actually live as a Christian, to be genuine. You know, the easy way out would have been to deny Jesus like Peter did and to live, live it up, partying like it's 1999. Some of, some of us got that one. I was born in 2000, so that was, that was, I made it, I made it. However, when we compromise, we take a step back into our old selves. We straddle the fence between this Luke warm state between old self and new self when we get pulled between as we continually deal with inside and outside suffering and struggle and struggles we must remember that judgment must begin with us i love verse 17 where peter says for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of god for it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. Whoa! We hear this word judgment and we get scared, we get nervous, and we kind of gloss over and like, eh, it says that in the Bible, and we keep on going with our lives, right? But we don't stop for a moment and actually see what, what, what's being said. For it's time for judgment to begin at, at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome of for those who do not obey the gospel of God. Well, this word judgment here in Greek means krimia, which suggests that it is the severe trial which would determine a person's character. So as we look at a trial, any form of case, Right, we see that a judge or a jury try to weigh between a person's character. We weigh between whether this person is guilty or not. 
what I'd like to suggest to us today, when we come before God, and you know, we see the scales there, right? What weighs more, our old self or our new self? Do we see more of Christ in you or our old sinful state? What weighs more? Missing the mark or being transformed? You know, I think of, we also have here where, where Peter is saying, what is the outcome of those who do not obey the gospel? You know, I, I love this because, you know, Christians, I, I don't think that Christians are excluded from, from this. We come to church, right? But coming to church doesn't mean that we don't disobey. Coming to church doesn't mean that we, we're not, that we don't sin. Yes, we do sin. That's why we come to church. That's why we get into groups. That's why we get into his word so that we can be transformed. But if we think that we're excluded from this, then we'll, we'll, we're wrong. We're wrong. Judgment must begin with us. I think of, a, of the time when I went to Asbury, to the Asbury revival, Asbury outpouring, awakening, whatever you want to call it. I went with Pastor Stan and Austin Loud. And we drove up there one, um, one Sunday in February. And we got there, and it was absolutely amazing. We saw people being transformed, their lives were being transformed, college students who were just trying to figure out what, what this was. They, they were excited to see what was happening in history because it was exploding on, on social media. And, and these curious kids were just coming there, not knowing what to expect. People were being healed. People were giving their lives to Christ. Demonic forces being casted out of people. Lives were being transformed. And you know, I, as I was in the auditorium, Austin and I were in the auditorium. Pastor Sand unfortunately wasn't able to be in there because he was too old. <laughs> it's, it's true. They stopped him at the door and said, unfortunately, you can't, you can't come in here unless you help, unless you help, and then, then that's all right. But he had to go across the street into, into another auditorium. But it was because it was meant, it was started by the young adults. And, you know, I think of this time, I kind of thought of myself as an observer in, in that presence, watching what God was doing and moving in the lives of so many people. And it wasn't until we, Austin and I would get back to where we were staying, where we would seek the presence of God and where we felt the Holy Spirit moving. And one night, I was asleep, and the Holy Spirit woke me up, and Austin I was running towards where Austin's room was, and Austin came running out of the room, and we, we both were like, do you, do you feel that? Do you feel that, that presence? Like, something is happening, and then we, we went into a room. Pastor Stan, I think, was asleep, so we closed the door, and we were, we were praying. And one of the things that God was speaking to me was to, to live holy, to live different than the rest of the world, to live as God has called us, peaceful, to live loving, not angry like the world can sometimes be, 
Not criticizing like the world can be sometimes. Not gossiping like the world can be sometimes. But to live differently. And so what does your character look like? Does it look like the old self or the new born again self? Judgment must begin with us. Look inside. Where do you fall short? Where do you need to continue to give to God? What, what do you need to surrender? What do you need to sacrifice? What do you need to suffer and give up to God? Examine yourself and allow God in us, in you, to work in us, in you, in me. If we want God to help us through times of ridicule and criticism, then we must let God work in us. My friends, despite what the world thinks of you for being a Christian, you can get through ridicule and criticism and live as your new born again Christian self by setting your mind on Christ. And as the band comes forward, one of the things that we do here is we open up the altar for everyone. And as the elders, if you guys can come forward too so that we can pray for people, I think all of us can look inside and say, where do I need to surrender? What part of my old self am I still holding on to? What do I need to give up so I can live this new, born again, transformed self that God so desires me to be? So I invite you to come forward during this time of worship to surrender to God. To surrender to God. And maybe you're someone who grew up who didn't really know who God was. Maybe you never had a relationship with him. And you look in, into your life and you say, my life has just been crazy. It's been a mess. But God so desires to transform your life so that you can no longer live in that state. So I invite you to come forward. Let's pray. Dear Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for washing us, making us new. We thank you for the transformative process that you bring us through from old sin state, from our old self to our new born again self. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Father, Lord, remove any form of pride Remove any form of wickedness and humble us because quite honestly, we all need to continually be transformed, continually to be washed by you because we still are holding on to something. Holy Spirit, move in the lives of the people here and at home. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen.